It's not a fireable offense, in my opinion. Buccaneers fans, here he is, the sage of Tampa Bay sports, the baron of Big Storm Beer, Mr. Bill Curry Ford himself, the king of Newport Richie, Uncle Ira, the custodian of Canton, Ira Kaufman. He's been a busy, busy man. Sage, at first, how are you? How are you feeling today? I'm doing pretty well, uh, Steve. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. Can't believe the Chiefs are in it. This is not, not one of their better teams over the last five or six years. They got some holes, but um, they found a way. Boy, they just beat Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson back-to-back. Everybody jumping on Mahomes, Mahomes this, Mahomes that. I got Russo telling me he's better than Tom Brady. Maybe I watched a different game, but uh, Mahomes did nothing in the second half. I mean, absolutely nothing until that last pass. They punted five times in a row. To me, the story of that game was the Chiefs' defense. So I'll never get old of watching Andy Reid hit the podium uh, over there with Clark Cunt, who I think is one of the best owners in football. They got a good general manager. Hey, that's the franchise everybody's shooting for right now. And they're underdogs for a third straight game. We'll see how that works out. But I'm a little worried about my 76ers, gentlemen. Joel Embiid. Can you play some games? You're great, but play, play some freaking games. So, uh... I got mixed emotions, but other than that, Steve, I'm doing well. Steve, this shows how how completely differently Ira and I are wired about football. Ira was trying to pass it off like the the Chiefs could win the Super Bowl with Blaine Gabbert. I'm the kind of guy, like, you got Mahomes, what are you worried about? (laughs) That's number one. Number two, he talks about ownership. He talks about Clark Hunt. I talk about ownership. I talk about Gracie Hunt. Ira and I are just, just two different human beings. (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I thought you were all about football You don't notice anything outside of football <laughs> Gracie Hunt You were, you were pissed off because uh, she was all bundled up the other day on, on, on the podium yeah. Well, that, that's probably true But I'm sure I'll see her with less clothing next week <laughs> We're dispatching Lee to Las Vegas Steve, it's a beautiful thing He's going to be up and down Radio Row gathering up nuggets. So we, we can't wait to talk to him next week from Vegas. Are you staying at the Luxor uh, League like everybody else? No, that's a dump. I, 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 got, I got good friends that work at MGM, but that's like their worst property. Hell no, I'm staying at Aria. Beautiful. I, I think the media is going to be at the Luxor. That's uh, fitting. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sage, everybody can agree at Bill Curry Ford. Bill Curry Ford, that's where the Sage hangs out. Uh, Ira drives a 2020 Cherry Red Ford Escape. Lee's got a Bill Curry Ford vehicle. I've got a Bill Curry Ford vehicle. And right now, uh, you can get a Bill Curry Ford vehicle. Not much time left. 0% financing is still in play on so many 2023 models. And there are many other offers at BillCurryFord.com. BillCurryFord.com, a mile north of the stadium on Dale Mabry Highway. GM Sean Sullivan, he's got 500 bucks for you just to order a vehicle with no deposit through their concierge uh, custom ordering system. It's so easy. And uh, there's so many great opportunities there. Service department is unreal. Uh, the redesigned, totally reimagined, the giant Bill Curry Ford. Check it out online. You can see some pictures and just get to the dealership. It's it's incredible. No words for what's happening at BillCurryFord.com after their new uh, their new look has was rolled out this month. And our friends at Florida's Elite Restoration, Ira, they're ready for everybody 24-7. Call them if you have a disaster at your property immediately. Flood, fire, mold, storm damage, whatever it is, they'll give you a free evaluation at your property when you call. 
mention Ira Kaufman or Joe Bucks fan. And if you need their services, if you need them to restore your property, then uh, you'll get a $500 discount as well. Cash back. Uh, maybe that's money for a deductible, whatever it is. Florida's elite restoration.com is there for you. And uh, Sage, uh, they're fantastic. They will fight for your money that is coming to you with your insurance company. You deserve it. And they know how to get it. They know how to battle the corruption in the insurance industry. And uh, they know how to take care of you uh, personally when you're in this terrible time of need, when you have a disaster at, at your home, your, your greatest asset, Florida's elite restoration.com. We'll talk a little bit later, Sage, about a new beer coming from Big Storm Brewery, bigstormbrewery.com. See the tap rooms and the menus and all the beers and spirits, bigstormbrewery.com, tap rooms in Odessa, Clearwater, Amway Center in Orlando, and in Ybor City, upstairs in Centro Ybor. All right, Sage, look, uh, I've been debating on where to start with you because there's a lot to lot to get to and some interesting things that fans may have forgotten already. But you know what, Sage, I'm going to go to your chat with Bruce Arians. He had a lot to say. He hasn't talked to many people this year. He sort of turned off, disconnected himself after his podcast ended after a few weeks in uh, October. And he did the Manning cast, uh, which was fun, but, you know, that wasn't an interview. Uh, but the Sage calls him up and says, Bruce, what's going on with the Bucks?" And he's there saying, we're going to re-sign all the free agents. What was your takeaway? What do the fans need to know? from your chat with Bruce Arians, who is still technically senior advisor to Jason Light. He was very upbeat. The only thing that was uh, pissing him off was the fact that uh, he was in Tampa when I talked to him. He wasn't at the, at the lake house in Georgia, so they still have a place in South Tampa. And he was <laughs> he was uh, already planning to uh, get out of town, not, not to mess with the Gasparilla people because... Um, <laughs> You know, the Gasparilla uh, parade was like a couple of days away. And he says, I'm like a block away from where the damn thing starts. So I got to have a plan because I, I can't be hitting the streets with, with the, the horde of uh, people. But other than that, you know, very positive about the direction of the Bucks. Very positive about Todd Bowles. Yes, Lee, no surprise there. I did ask him about Canales, Steve, as you saw. You know, he, hesit he hesitated for a minute. When I asked him about the job that Canales did for the Bucks in, in 2023, 20, uh, I think his mind already uh, immediately flashed to Byron Leftwich. It is still a, a sore subject with uh, Arians uh, about uh, the fans' wrath uh, against Leftwich. This podcast was part of that during the entire season. Uh, he just thinks he got a raw deal. Now, he's not saying that Leftwich was great for the Bucks, you know, in, in 2022. He can't make that argument. But he seemed to take all the heat, and, and uh, Arians doesn't agree with that. Remember, he's the guy who had the audacity to suggest that Tom Brady wasn't playing well in the middle of the season. Nobody else wanted to say that. Uh, Lee still can't get himself to say it, but Arians did say it. He's very upbeat about the Bucks going forward. I don't think he's worried about an offensive coordinator. Of course, he likes Jason Light. He's very happy with the drafts that uh, Light's done. The last few years, he loves Winfield. He loves Wirfs. He's very high on Baker Mayfield. He really likes uh, Rashad White, thinks he's going to get even better. And he's very bullish about Light's ability, Lee, to keep uh, the bulk of all these uh, potential free agents. He didn't say they're going to keep each and every one. He didn't go nine deep. But, you know, the key guys, you know, the, the Mayfields, the Evanses, the Winfields, you know, Wirfs isn't going anywhere. Uh, we didn't get into Chase McLaughlin, <laughs> Lee, but I don't think he's going anywhere either. But 
Lee, I happen to agree with Arians to a large degree. Based on Jason Light and his uh, past manipulation of the salary cap, maybe they'll lose one guy. I, I just don't think it'll be one of the top three. But uh, Arians, I think, is very positive about the Bucks going forward. When I asked him, Lee, about the combine, absolutely not. When I asked him about the owners' meetings, absolutely not. He's still going to do his charity function. It's not going to be at Innisbrook this year. I think it's going to be at the Hard Rock, but they're still going to do it. So he's still he's still part of this organization, Lee. But at this point, it's more like a name only. You're not going to see him at training camp. We're just not. We don't see him at the home games. But he does follow the team very closely. And, boy, is he rooting for Todd Bowles to, uh, to continue uh, on his job. Lee, I think the most interesting thing, he said, and they were 4-7, and seven, and we were talking about it, and they were in the midst of that tailspin. He had it in his mind that these guys were going to get fired, and, and all of them. You, know, you change the head coach, you change everybody, and he's so close to all these assistant coaches. Lee, it's his staff, basically. He didn't pick Canales, but, you know, for the most part, Bowles kept everybody intact because Bowles knows these guys as well as Arians did. So he was really worried, Lee. We were not off base that people were going to get fired, and then the dramatic turnaround that saved everybody's job. But you know he was reaching out to all the assistant coaches, trying to calm them down, saying, give it your best shot. This season's not over yet. And turned out he was right. Your um, soliloquy there, it, it, it spurred one question for me. And I don't know if Arians touched upon this or not. You're talking about free agents coming back. What are the chances, if Levante David retires, what are the chances they keep Kevin White? I mean, on face value, I think that's crazy. But, I mean, you're going into 2024 20, with a guy who's, what, what, three starts under his belt at linebacker? What are the chances they bring Devin White back on the cheap if Levante David retires? I would say almost nil because the problems with Devin White extend past uh, the playing field. <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Terrell Owens and Antonio Brown. Of course, of course his play uh, is not... Um, any, anywhere near those guys. Devin White's not uh, a Hall of Fame candidate, certainly. He was a problem. He was a problem. You remember that line that Arians uh, gave me last week about uh, Todd controlled a problem in the locker room? There's no question in my mind he was talking about Devin White. He wasn't talking about Chris Godwin. And wow. uh, Devin White was a problem. He was a problem on the field. He's a problem off the field. He's not coming back. And Lee, if they want to bring him back, they're going to have to pay him. That's another problem. He wants, you know, three, four-year deal. Uh, I don't see it if Levante David retires, which I don't think he will. I don't think he will. He's playing at a high level. He really is, and they've had some success. They want a playoff game. Maybe he thinks they can get further this fall. I don't think he will retire, but uh, it's hard for me to imagine a circumstance where Devin White comes back. I know Todd Bowles talks him up, Steve, in front of the podium. Uh, he goes out of his way to talk up Devin White, but behind closed doors, Steve, I think it's a different story. Oh, I think it's 100% over. I mean, Lee asked him the other day, and, and Ball Bowles had to say was, oh, we'd love to have Devin back. He didn't say that at all. And look, Devin White was in a contract push here, in a contract year, and he crapped the bed. He didn't play well. So why would you want a guy who's conceivably trying his best to earn a contract who's playing poorly why would you bring him back the next year? I mean, uh, they're confident in who they can develop. And uh, Servasier Dennis is a guy probably they, I'm assuming that they like a lot and and uh, right. that they think can make a leap. So 
I don't know what they'll do, but I, I can't imagine they bring him back for the primary reason is that he didn't play well. It's like what what do you you already gambled on him this year? I don't think they would do it twice. Sage well, and they have every confidence in, in KJ Britt, and I think deservedly so. I uh, I think he's I think he's going to be a fine player for the Bucks. Plus, they got to save some money somewhere, but. You know, I think that might be the place to do it. Who knows, Sage? Who knows? Because stranger things have happened, though, especially if he can't get a deal and they think they could get him on the cheap for a one-year prove-it deal. It's possible, but I think I, I think White wants to leave, which is probably the biggest factor here. Sage, uh, let me throw you to the offensive coordinator. Obviously, the search has been on, and I'm just going to throw one name at you, but you know the other names. Lee, Lee can hit you with the other names, too. Alex Van Pelt is in the mix. Now he's the former Bucks quarterbacks coach. He called plays up in Buffalo for a year. He called plays uh, at the last minute for Baker Mayfield in 2020 when he was the uh, offensive coordinator, but he wasn't calling the plays. He called them in the playoffs because the head coach got COVID and uh, poof, Baker Mayfield puts up 48 points against the Steelers. And he was the de facto quarterback coach that year because they didn't have one. So it was just... uh, he had the offensive coordinator title. He was the quarterback's coach, but he wasn't calling the plays. I think he's most interesting because of the the just the obvious. Baker Mayfield had his best season with uh, Alex Van Pelt in the room. So, you know, if we, if we give credit to these other guys for what they do with quarterbacks, you got to give it to Van Pelt. Josh Freeman played out of his mind when Alex Van Pelt showed up. And he's gotten the best years out of some lower name quarterbacks as well. I don't know. And he's always had a good running game. Uh, at the places that he's been, which probably is attractive to Todd Bowles, but he played quarterback for 11 years, which I think has got to be attractive to Bowles as well as a former longtime player and seems to garner respect. I mean, why would Aaron Rodgers keep him around for years if he thought he was a clown up in Green Bay? Uh, what do you think of him and, you know, in relation to the other candidates? Well, I, I remember him well uh, in his uh, first stint with the Bucks. You're right, uh, Josh Freeman. And Raheem Morris as the head coach. Uh, you're right. 2010, Freeman was, uh, I don't know if you'd use the word spectacular, but he was close to it. Nobody saw the Bucks winning 10 games. Freeman would pull games out of his butt and look like he had a fantastic future. Now it all fell apart uh, two, three years later. It's not Alex Van Pelt's fault. He was gone after Raheem was gone. But I remember him well because um, I always got along well with him. Uh, he was a good quote for me off the podium. He wasn't bad on the podium. I wouldn't mind having him back. Uh, Lee, I think it would be a little bit unusual for a guy to return 12, 13 years later under the same ownership group. Uh, I'm not sure what the what the Glazers' opinions are about Alex Van Pelt. Maybe they were pissed off at him in 2011 when the team went in the tank. Uh, maybe. But Steve's right, Lee. This Mayfield connection... Now, look, I'm not saying it's going to be to the degree that uh, things were catered to Tom Brady. Uh, I'm not saying that. But certainly, I don't think Alex Van Pelt get, uh, gets a real look uh, without the Mayfield angle. Lee, I, I think it's another part of what options do the real Bucks really think they have in terms of quarterback. They pick in 26th. Who are they going to get there? Moving up from 26th, cost you a king's ransom. Uh, to try to get into the top 15. Kyle Trask, unproven. It seems to me Mayfield's got the leverage. And this is another example of, you know, looking at the depth chart and saying, we, we can't let Mayfield go anywhere. For the last 30 seconds, I've been sp- suppressing a massive lab. I like what you said. I like what you said. 
and you're not wrong, but one of the attributes that you said, one reason why you like Alex Van Pelt as a potential offensive coordinator is he gives you a good quote. And I can see so many Bucks fans out there right now, their right knuckles are bloody from punch to dashboard. What's that got to do with anything? That's got football! <laughs> Hey, everything is personal. Everything's personal. You you know that. He's a good guy. He's screaming at that. <laughs> and, and he's proven to be effective. He has proven to be effective. But, Steve, it is a little unusual for a guy to come back to the same team uh, 12 years later, same ownership. Uh, Lee, what do you think about the rest of the crap out there? Are your thoughts on Van Pelt? My only thoughts about Van Pelt is, you know, he was so great with Freeman one year. And he was so awful with Freeman the next year. So I don't know if we, we should anoint uh, Van Pelt as the next uh, Joe Gibbs because of one year with Freeman. Everywhere he's been, they've been nondescript. Everywhere. I mean, you, no one's going to tell me that he was responsible for Aaron Rodgers becoming the quarterback. Yeah, let's calm down here. Buffalo, really? Before Josh Allen got there, Buffalo? The Browns? Ugh. And I, yes, I understand. Mayfield's second best career year was with Van Pelt. I get it. Um, and that's probably why he's going to be here. And I, I don't blame That's actually a smart move by Bulls if Mayfield approves. I'm, I'm sure they're going to run this past Mayfield. Hey, do you want to work with this guy? But the rest of the crop, what is encouraging, and maybe it's a, a false hope, maybe it's just a tease, but it's encouraging almost all these other guys that they're looking to interview have a connection somehow, some way with Sean McVay. And you can't go wrong with that. Coach after coach after coach after coach who's worked with McVay on the offensive side of the ball, not the defensive side of the ball. Like that lame brain, go for it on fourth down all the time, Staley, Brandon Staley. Every offensive coach that's got a connection with McVay, directly or indirectly, they're damn good. So that's very encouraging. But I I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Van Pelt. I really do. He's got a lot of experience. Like you said, Steve, he likes to run the ball. And obviously his his experience with Mayfield, to me, the only way – he doesn't get hired if he farts too much during the interview or Mayfield says he doesn't want to work with him. Hey, Steve, um, the guy that um, we don't hear too much about, and of course, Bowles told me last week that he was going to take a sweet time, and it looks like he is, and he said there's ex- external candidates as, uh, as well as internal. Steve, nobody's talking about that Lewis. Going back to Arians, you know, Arians was the guy that brought him in and, and said this, this guy's going to be a star, an absolute star. I haven't heard Bowles talk too much about that, Lewis, but I think he's thought of highly in the organization. I think Light likes him. Steve, when the smoke clears, uh, could they go internal on this? Well, Sage, wait a minute. You said nobody's talking about him. On the last podcast, you said he's getting the job. And all that matters is what you say because you're the Sage. So I think uh, he may be the favorite, like you said last week. Maybe these are cursory interviews. I mean, maybe they are. You know, two weeks down the line, it's, it's Thad Lewis. That's a big jump for Lewis. He's really young. I mean, really young. He doesn't have the kind of experience Canales had in the National Football League. Not even close. It would be a major jump. Depends on uh, what Bowles thinks of Lewis, what Mayfield thinks of Lewis. He's been around him uh, for a full year. Certainly Mayfield will have a big vote. Keep your eye on him, Lee. I, I, I certainly wouldn't count out that Lewis getting this job. Hey, Sage, question for you. I, I threw it out there that I, I think – a challenge for Bulls here, and, and really something important, is that since Canales is Mr. Energy, Mr. Upbeat, Mr. Positive, yeah. we're going to learn. No, There's no bad mistakes. We're just learning and all this other stuff. How do you go hire an offensive coordinator 
who is more of a, an old school, tough guy, football coach, or even like a Bruce Arians type who's going to rip you a new one because you, you threw, you know, six inches to the right and didn't have your foot in the right spot. I mean, I, I think, I, I think at least, and maybe I'm wrong. This is what I want your guys' opinion. I think he's got to look for somebody of at least a similar kind of personality because man, just the, the players are human. That's a tough thing to adjust to. Uh, you, you just thrived under some guy who's telling you you're great and loves everybody. And then it's hard to bring in another guy who, who's, you know, cracking the whip. Lee, I think it would be hard to find somebody that could match uh, Canales uh, in terms of positivity. It, it's not going to be that easy. I mean, the glass is always uh, half full for Dave Canales. He's still on Twitter putting little uh, phrases out there every day, getting better every day and this and that. You know, he was a breath of fresh air. There's no question about it after the, you know, the left witch years. But Steve's point's interesting. You want to put a hard liner in here? I, I don't see Van Pelt as a hard liner. I, I remember him for those two or three years, sort of like uh, go with the flow. Now, he wasn't Mr. Sunshine like Canales. He wasn't. But he wasn't Bill Parcells either. That That's going to rip you. Even when things were going bad for Josh Freeman, he, he wasn't going to turn on Freeman publicly. Tough to find another Canales. Now, I got a question for you guys. I think I asked you this a month ago. I'm going to ask it again. Because I wasn't happy with your answer. Uh, <laughs> and Lee, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think I know what you're going to say. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Guys, this is a fact, not an opinion. Devin White was the fifth pick in the draft. He was the fifth pick in the draft. And I'm 98% sure he's not getting a second contract with the team that drafted him. They won the Super Bowl. He was a big part of it. But overall... From the view from above, Lee, was that an outstanding draft pick by Jason Light? Or did he turn out to be a disappointment for the number five pick in the draft? I think you can look at it both ways. Well, it depends what your goal is. My goal is winning the Super Bowl. And he was a massive part of winning the Super Bowl. So, yes, that was a successful pick. I'm in with that too, Iris. Successful pick. Partially from the standpoint of, look, his first three years were good. So... I can't blame Jason Light or the front office that years four and five went bad. If it was the other way around, that, hey, he struggled for three years, wasn't really ready, wasn't really a top five pick, but he blossomed later and then they got rid of him. That's different. But he was ready to go. He was a key cog in the Super Bowl. And whatever happened to Devin White, I I can't put it on the front office. I thought, Lee, part of the reason they drafted him was uh, for his leadership uh, skills. That, that, That turned out to be false. That's true, but there again, I'm confident if you ask White or the Glazers or whoever, quote-unquote, has authority in that draft room, what is your goal? The goal isn't for a guy to um, be in the league 15 years, although that's very nice. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. Well, we don't know if they would have won it without Devin White. We're not sure. We'll never know. But I, I, The way he played, he played better than Ray Lewis in the postseason. I've I've written stories about that, and I compared their stats. He was better than Ray Lewis when Ray Lewis won his first Super Bowl. He was dominant. Devin White was all over the freaking field, causing turnovers, getting turnovers. He was a significant reason why they won defensively. Why did he fall on his ass? No idea. If if I knew that, if he charged you $500 an hour, I I refer your therapist. (laughs) So I, I can't answer that, but what I can answer was, they won a Super Bowl with him playing out of his rear end. To me, that's success. It was this, If your idea of a success is not winning a Super Bowl but having a long career, 
Well, then, no, it wasn't a success. Hey, Sage, uh, your good friend Derek Brooks says if you can't re-sign Evans and Mayfield as a pair, then they both have to go because he thinks Mike Evans is not going to survive or, excuse me, he's not going to thrive with a young quarterback. And he thinks that Mayfield is not going to thrive with Chris Godwin as the number one. And Barrick Brooks does not think, or he was, he danced around it, but he was very leery of calling Chris Godwin capable of being a number one receiver. Uh, he pointed to Alvin Harper. This was a discussion he had with, uh, oh. he, this was a discussion he had with Ian Beckles and uh, Brooks made it clear. Hey, he's good friends with Alvin Harper. Alvin Harper taught him how to play golf and all this other stuff. And it, <laughs> it, it wasn't a, a personal shot. It wasn't a personal shot. But bottom line is um, Brooks says it's got to be a package deal that they found the formula with Mike, which is veteran quarterback. And they also think that, uh, you know, Mayfield, you know, needs uh, that presence. What do you say to that? Well, the point I definitely agree with is I think there's legitimate questions about Godwin being elevated to a number one receiver. I think that's legit. He hasn't been in that situation in the NFL. And there's a history in the league of number twos having to move up to number ones uh, and all the attention that ensues with that and struggling. Uh, Alvin Harper is a prime example. Uh, he was a number two in Dallas, right, Lee? And then uh, the Bucks grabbed him, and uh, he didn't do much as the prime receiver for the Bucks. Lee, I, I don't agree with Brooks on the Mayfield-Evans uh, package, and here's why. Lee, Mike Evans has proven for a decade he, he will flourish no matter who's throwing on the ball. Let's look at the facts. I mean, we're going back to Josh McCown. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know who, who else is in the mix? And as far as the Mayfield angle, doing it without Mike Evans, well, they'd have to replace him. Lee. They'd have to replace him. And luck with that. And, and good luck with that. But I'm, I guess I'm looking at it from Evans' perspective, and I'm not necessarily saying it would be Kyle Trask if Mayfield leaves, because I don't think that's a given. They'd have to go out and get somebody. I don't think the answer would be drafting a quarterback at 26 and starting him in year one. I don't think that's an answer. I don't necessarily agree with Brooks that uh, that they're a package pair. It's, it's an interesting thought. I sort of agree with you, Ira, that, and I, hey, I've been on record. I still think the Bucks should draft a quarterback whether they sign Mayfield or not. And I'm not talking about, you know, a Hail Mary for Brock Purdy or even a Tom Brady. That happens once in a generation. That's not, you know, the next Brock Purdy won't have, I'll be dead. Ira, Ira will be dead. I don't know about Steve. I and I will be, we're long gone by the time <laughs> the next Brock Purdy comes around. Lee has weighed in on my lifespan. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, well, Steve, Steve tries to stay healthy and Ira's getting up in the years. I don't try to stay healthy, although I don't have any great hair. Ira, I guess dealing with uh, Joe Madden gave him great hair and all his staff. A few, a few, a few. But uh, I, I believe if you're drafting a quarterback outside of round one, you're drafting a backup. That I just that, that's just the way I think. And so I, I've been on record. I think the Bucks should try to draft a quarterback in the first round. I would not be opposed to them trading up to get one, but have him sit. Have him sit. It worked for Mahomes. Worked for Rogers. Worked for Jordan Love. Why can't it work here? All right. Yeah, I I don't disagree at all, and um, I, I agree with you guys as it relates to Brooks. I don't think it has to be a package deal. I know what he's saying, but I mean. I don't think that's necessarily fair to Mike Evans, who has worked with other quarterbacks and could adjust and is just a good receiver. So 
But I, I get it. I get it. The ideal situation is to have both uh, back here. Hey, Sage, Big Storm Brewing Company, they've got a new beer coming. And, of course, the, it's still there, the Bromosa, their top seller, the Tangerine IPA. But that's got a new look. A brand new can just dropped on the Bromosa. And now it's going to have a brother beer called the Bromance. And that rolls out Valentine's Day specials in Clearwater and at the Ebor Tap Rooms on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Dollar Wings, $8 Martinis, $8 Old Fashioned, and Bromance Pints will be 5 bucks. Fantastic specials going on. Follow Big Storm Tap Rooms on social media. Great follows on Facebook, Instagram, Big Storm Odessa, Ebor City, Clearwater, and Orlando at the Mway Center. And uh, just a lot of good stuff happening at the tap room. See all the menus, bigstormbrewery.com, bigstormbrewery.com. They've got whiskey releases and all kinds of stuff going on. Cornhole League, bigstormbrewery.com. Ira, is there a more dirtier term with fans, fans in invoking the name of Alvin Harper? <laughs> it's up there, Lee. It's right up there. Yeah, I mean, fans despise him. Hey, Sage, uh, some real quick thoughts for you before we get to a, a sort of a more important question. Uh, five ex-Buccaneers heading to the Super Bowl. Blaine Gabbert, Justin Watson, Donovan Smith, Mike Edwards, and the uh, 49ers uh, secondary late season pickup, Logan Ryan. So recent Buccaneers, uh, what does that say? What does it say about Jason Light as far as him having a bunch of draft picks in the Super Bowl with a new team? And you know, what, what does it say to you? Well, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. I, I watched Donovan Smith very closely, Lee. Yes, he struggles, and he struggles to the point where I think, uh, and I know the Chiefs are going to have one of the last picks in the draft, but uh, it would not shock me if they took an offensive tackle uh, at, at pick number 31, 32, whatever it is. I don't even like Jawan Taylor on the right side, but Donovan Smith, Donovan Smith's seen his better days, Lee. He might get a face full of Nick Bosa. Although Bosa, I think, lines up primarily on the left side, so that'll be uh, Jawan Taylor's responsibility. Justin Watson, uh, I'm watching him. He catches one or two balls a game. Never going to make his mark. Uh, just uh, just a guy out there. But they're so strapped at wide receiver that, uh, you know, he, he, he gets his snaps. Uh, on any other team, the, the guy would be sixth on, on, on the wide receiver depth chart. Just the way it is. Logan Ryan. I think so. I, I think so. Logan Ryan. I thought he did some decent things when he was healthy for the Bucks. I thought he was okay. Smart guy, real smart. Uh, fits in fits in with John Lynch, wants intelligent guys in the secondary. Who knows? He might make a play against Mahomes, you know, in a couple of weeks. You, you never know. A second life for some of these ex-Buccaneers. You know, Donovan Smith looked, looked like his career was over. Chiefs found a spot for him at left tackle. He is durable, but... Uh, I think he's going to – I don't think he'll be the left tackle for the Chiefs uh, next season. You know, you're talking about Justin Watson, and I'm not saying he's Chris Godwin, but the only two teams he's played on got rings, and they were loaded at receiver. And I know the Chiefs this year are not loaded at receiver, not at all, but I would think of a guy was good enough to get on the field with Super Bowl champions. He could certainly do something for, you know, some trash team like uh, the Redskins or the – Stinking Panthers or or the Bears? I uh, surprised you said that about Justin Watson. Well, I I, I watch him closely. Lee, uh, to me, you know, he's average. Maybe yeah, a little I, bit. I, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not saying he's he's a Pro Bowler, but I'm just thinking, you know, there's a lot of guys that are not Pro Bowlers, and they they get a lot of snaps for lousy teams. You know, I Sammy Strouder, for example. 
Steve, I, I can't see him. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't consider him a starter for any of the 32 teams. I would not. If you're only picking two wide receivers per team, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a team that's going to start Justin Watson. Hey, you're the one glued to uh, the Chiefs games, not me. Obviously, <laughs> he had a career year this year. I think he had like 27 catches. So he's the guy you said he is, one or two balls, and they obviously trust him enough to put him out there. So good for him, you know, late-round draft pick, and uh, he's uh-huh. ma- made a nice career for himself. BillCurryFord.com, get there. That's your first-round draft pick, BillCurryFord.com. If you're thinking of buying a vehicle, get there. Email Sean Sullivan, the GM, directly. With any questions about your purchase plan or whatever it is, he'll help you. He loves Bucks fans. He'll give you the Ira Kaufman discount if you go with Bill Curry Ford. Uh, check them out, BillCurryFord.com. We heard about Big Storm Brewery and their new beers, uh, Sage, coming down the line. I uh, want to encourage everybody to follow them on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Each tap room has its own page, a lot of great specials and events. Big Storm Brewing Company, Clearwater, Ebor City, Amway Center in Orlando, and in Pasco and Odessa as well. Great little location there that we love hanging out at. And our friends at Florida's EliteRestoration.com. That's your first phone call 24-7 before you call your insurance company if you have damage at your home, any kind of disaster, Florida's Elite Restoration. Dot com. Sage, uh, one quick funny question and one serious one. First, I was just going to say, uh, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, the NBC Sports Insider. He is adamant. Todd Bowles not calling that timeout at the end of the game against the Lions. That's a fireable offense. He's adamant. He would fire Todd Bowles. You can't recover from that. He has been very public about this. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, <laughs> Florio, he's got a, he's got a couple of guys that he uh, he's been known to go after. Rich McKay is one of them. He, he's always ta- he always loves to take a pot shot at Rich McKay. Oh wow! Um, you know, and any opportunity talking about the Falcons front office yep. and well, yep. why why Bel- why Belichick didn't get the job or didn't come to Atlanta. He's always throwing McKay's name out there. I think Todd Bowles is. Uh, I think he's ready to enter that uh, exalted uh, uh, atmosphere. Uh, of Florio. He, he likes to take his pot shots at, at bowls. Guy wins 10 games. The guy wins a playoff game. The guy wins a division title. He's still asking whether bowls should, uh, should come back. You know, my opinion on, on the timeout thing, yep. Steve, the Bucks screwed up and the Lions screwed up. Now I haven't heard him call for Dan Campbell's dismissal. And, and you could, you could argue that they, the Lions screwed up more than the Bucks. I mean, you couldn't make that argument. What, what the hell are they doing? Snapping the ball with 22 seconds left. Instead of with one second left. What are they doing? This gentleman's agreement thing, I think there's something to it. People say that's nonsense. I don't think it's nonsense. Uh, I think when the interception was made, Bowles thought the game was over. I thought the game was over. He didn't call timeout after the first snap. Campbell said said to himself, he's conceding the game, which he did. But then Detroit screwed up and Bowles didn't readjust. Whether it's Bowles or somebody should have been in his ear, it's not a fireable offense, in my opinion. Lee, the guy, uh, the, <laughs> the guy took a team that was supposed to win six games, and he won ten. I mean, that's a fact. He took a team that Peter King thought was, was going to win two games and, and won ten. That's a fact. They humiliated the, uh, the Eagles. I know the Eagles were in a tailspin, but they are the defending uh, NFC champs. Lee humiliated them and played Detroit tough, you know. You can't say the Bucks quit on Bowles. Can't say that. There was a screw-up. But um, as far as firing Bowles over that, I think that's just crazy. 
Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I just uh, wanted your opinion on the fireball offense because it is kind of funny since he is so passionate about it. Uh, all right, Sage, look, uh, your longtime colleague and good friend, guy you would hang out with, uh, Martin Fennelly, longtime Tampa Tribune sports columnist, and I uh, worked for the Sarasota Herald Tribune and then the Tampa Bay Times for a little bit at the end of his career. And uh, he passed away this week. Uh, what do you want to say? More importantly, what to Buccaneers fans and younger folks who maybe weren't tied into Fennelly or just people who didn't read him, what do they need to know uh, about uh, Martin Fennelly? Well, Sunday was a tough day for me. It, it was getting the news in, in the morning that uh, Martin was gone. Very, very unique uh, individual. Tremendous sense of humor. I compare him to Robin Williams, the closest thing that I'll ever come across in terms of uh, a quick mind. Uh, funny. Very well read. And, you know, Lee, I've been in the business 47 years. I'm not <laughs> overly proud to say it. just means I'm overly most talented sports writers in that span, 47 years, Martin's top five. He's top five. Mm -hmm. You knew him, Lee. Great guy. A lot of fun to be around. But more importantly, as a columnist, at his best, I don't think you could beat him. I don't think you could beat him. Whether it's um, some kind of a poignant uh, column uh, about somebody, uh, you know, struggling with challenges or a game deadline column that can make you laugh. Lee, there's nothing harder in my business, nothing, than trying to make somebody laugh on a printed page. That, that is the biggest challenge. Most people, 98% of the people don't even try. Don't even try because there's nothing worse than falling flat and trying. He would pull it off. People would have their morning coffee and be reading Fennelly's column and spill their coffee from huh. laughing. That is very, very rare. So my Trib family, Lee, you know, we lost Rick Harmon. You knew Rick Harmon. Now yeah. it's Fenley. I guess I'm at that age, Lee. You're almost getting there where you're losing people. You know, he struggled the last few years, Martin. He wasn't writing, which I thought was a travesty. But just supremely talented, loved sports, went back about as long as I did, mid-60s. So he had tremendous context. He's really going to be missed. I, I, I did uh, have lunch with him, Lee, three or four weeks ago with uh, Fred Goodall from the AP. And uh, he was in good spirits. I'll always uh, cherish that. And we're going to have a, some kind of a service for him. You know, a lot of the trip people sorely missed Lee at his best. I'll say it again, Lee. I didn't think you could beat him uh, at his best. One of my favorite uh, lines of Fenley, and I guess it's inside baseball only, only uh, ex-newspaper people would get this, that when Abraham Lincoln first submitted his Gettysburg address, when he first filed it, a copy editor changed four score and seven years ago to 87 years. <laughs> I mean, that's the way his mind works, Lee. And Lee, we've seen the tributes pour in uh, on Twitter, and that gives people an idea who didn't know Martin and didn't, uh, didn't read Martin because, um, you know, it's been a few years since he was writing regularly. You could tell uh, the love for him, the respect for him uh, from uh, his peers uh, and, and some readers uh, who just... Uh, they're, they're really shook uh, about the whole thing. Here, here's my uh, family story. It involves, of all people, Lovey Smith. And this was a day where, you know, before they had an indoor practice facility, and fans would just go bananas whenever it rained at practice. Just go wild. Coaches are just the opposite. They love the rain. You know, wet ball drills. They absolutely love it. They coveted it. But fans would just... I mean, Twitter would melt down from Bucks fans screaming. And at any rate, 
First, they decided they were going to hold the practice at USF. Then they decided they're going to hold it at the Fruit Dome in St. Petersburg. And they had us reporters bouncing all over the place. And I'm freaking in St. Petersburg at El Cap having a cheeseburger. And I get a text. Oh, by the way, we moved the practice again. It's back at one buck. Oh, what the hell, man? They had me driving all over the Tampa Bay area. So we get there, and myself, and there might have been six other people that, that decided to run this marathon. Everybody else gave up. It was training camp practice. And Martin, I was one of them, so was Martin. And part of the carrot to get us to, you know, like, hey, we're sorry that we had you bouncing all over the place. Lovey will have a, uh, a private session with you guys off the record. You can ask him whatever you want after practice. And Lovey was not friendly with the press. He was not friendly with the media. So the fact that we had an off-the-record uh, gathering after practice on the field with Lovey, that was, that was you know, the, the carrot to get us back. All right. So Lovey comes off the practice field. Okay, guys, what's up? You know, this is all off the record. Yeah. So I asked Lovey. I said, Lovey, I said, the fact that you guys, are, you're, you're tackling so sloppy, is that because you have the defenders so focused on punching the ball out that they're not focused on actually tackling the ball carrier? Well, that really went over very well. <laughs> Lovey, Lovey almost hit the ceiling when I asked him that. But what it made it worse, what made it worse was spending like, that's a great question. That's really a great question, Lee. That's a hell of a good question. And Lovey hears this next, got him more pissed off. <laughs> and then he yelled even, and then, so it didn't help me out at all. I'm, I'm half mad and I'm half laughing and suddenly kept repeating, that's a great question, Lee. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Steve, I got a question for you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Lee, that's a great story. Steve, when you guys were starting out with Joe Buck's fan, and you were getting uh, all kinds of looks in in the in the Bucks media room, and of course, Fennelly, you know, was a regular uh, at that time. Steve, what do you remember about Martin's attitude towards you two guys? Was he very dismissive, as, as were some others, or uh, uh, did he say um, did he did he treat you as uh, you know welcome newcomers? Oh boy, that that is a loaded question. Um, I, I'll say this, Ira. Let me say this. Um, you know, I worked at the Tribune with you and Lee, and uh, in 2002, Martin Fennelly uh, was 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 rude to me. And this was like my first real interaction with him, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know, it wasn't over the top or anything like that, but uh, this was you know going back 22 years now. And then um, I got to interact with him a little bit more, and it didn't go too well on a couple of things. And I was like, "This this is okay." I wasn't again, it wasn't over the top, but. Uh, what I did appreciate was many years later in the uh, uh, Bucks media room, I want to say maybe 2016 and, and after that, he was super cordial and super nice. And I was always struck how eager he was asking uh, questions. Like he would ask me and Lee a lot of questions sometimes, you know, separately. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And I remember once I asked him, I said, do you want me to give you an answer as I would envision it in a Martin Fennelly column or you want just a straight answer? And he, he looked at me, like stared at me. He's like, G give me the Martin Fennelly column answer. <laughs> and so uh, we kind of had some fun after that. I got to know him a little bit better after that and uh, you know, thought he was a great guy. But uh, yeah, I don't think he was uh, 
anti Joe Bucks fan like others. You know, I think he was always somebody who was more interested in his uh, in his job and what he could produce. And of course, he didn't like the Tampa Bay Times. Ira, I think that's fair to say. Did you guys ever hear him go off on like a you know like a five or ten minute uh, rant and uh, just like a very imaginative thing where uh, you could see how quick his mind was? You, you ever see anything like that? Oh, many times, many times. Yeah, yeah my, my experience with Martin uh, was always very positive. Uh, you know, I, I had known him long before Joe Bucks fan started. And I'm talking about years ago. Uh, you know, he, hey, Lee, you want to go out and have some beers? You know, so he was always very, very friendly with me. You know, like you said, Ira, for the first couple of years, people in that room, well, there's still a lot of them that way, most of them. But, um, you know, they wouldn't give us the time of day, Steve or I. Fenley was not like that. Fenley was, at least with me, he was always, hey, Lee, how's it going? He would ask questions. We'd just shoot the, the Shiite. And I, I thought the world of him. Maybe it was because he used to work in St. Louis. He, was, he knew I was from that neck of the woods, and we'd talk about the Cardinals and things. I, I don't know what it was, but him and I had some kind of, a little bit of a bond, I would say. Hey, Lee, uh, speaking of St. Louis, I talked to uh, one of your buddies yesterday. I was on his radio show, Bernie Miklas. He's a St. Louis legend, Steve, as you know, longtime newspaper writer, and now he's got uh, his own uh, radio show, very well known in the Midwest. So we were talking about the Super Bowl matchup and different things, and, and I told him that Martin had passed away, and, and he didn't know Martin very well, but he did know him because Martin, uh, I think he went to school in Missouri, Lee, yep. I think he did. And then Bernie Miklas mentioned you. Lee, because oh he was talking, he was talking about Joe Buck's man, and he said, "Hey, one of the one of the founders uh, and, and uh, key guys is Lee De Kemper, who uh, I know." He said he knew you very well. Yeah, um, yeah, and you used to go to uh, Big Twelve games uh, or whatever, and a lot of baseball games together. And uh, so I just wanted to say, Bernie gives you his regards, and he holds you in high esteem, Lee. I I, I think the absolute world of Bernie. My first real gig in journalism, you know, not. Uh, as a stringer covering high school games for a local paper. My first real gig was covering an NFL training camp when I was in college, the old St. Louis Cardinal, where I went to college, Eastern Illinois. That was their training camp home. And uh, that's when I first met Bernie. He was a beat reporter for the Cardinals. Nothing got past him. He was an excellent beat reporter. He was fantastic. And Bernie literally took me under his wing, and he gave me all kinds of hints about journalism and reporting, and, and I'll never forget that. Yeah, He didn't have to do that. But he volunteered. You know, I didn't ask him. He offered it. And uh, I will forever be in his debt for some of his, some of his advice I use to this day. I, I absolutely use to this day. Sage, I will wrap it up here. And, you know, you brought up the Bucks Media Room. What always, what always puts a smile on my face is walking into that room, knowing that the best seat in the house, literally the best seat in that room, Belongs to Lee D. Camper with his name on it. <laughs> that's just that's just fantastic. Every single time, other people are sitting near the toilet, having to get the the fumes out of there. Other people are sitting facing a, a wall with no TV nearby and squished in. Lee's got the best seat in the house. No question about it. And Steve, you might have the second best because you might be between me and Fred Goodall, and uh, and and we've been going at it since 1985 when I came to town and. Uh, working for UPI and he was working for AP and we've had some classic uh, uh, diatribes in that room, Steve, and you've been witness to a few of them. My seat is next to yours, Ira, which means there's a lot of crumbs on the floor and things like that. So 
right. All right, Sage. Uh, well, look, we'll be back. We'll probably have an offensive coordinator uh, later this week. Bucks are at the senior at the Senior Bowl. Who knows what's going to be happening there? A lot of stuff happening now, and we're looking forward to it.